0: God
1: bless you as you listen. And amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray in the spirit for a little while. Pray in the language of the spirit. The Bible says he who speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh mysteries unto the Lord. You may not understand what you're saying, but you are saying something, and the one you're speaking to understands very well what you are saying. Pray in the spirit
2: na zibada nabada si de 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 bo de 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 ya ra ba do se de de be ka ba ya da da ba da ba ba si ba da 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 ne pro to si ke ba 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 e lo co na no se de de me ka Wherever you are, wherever you are, if you have tuned in, if you are in this live streaming, or you joined
1: in later,
2: as we pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit as well, pray in the spirit, something is being
1: achieved, something is being accomplished as you do that.
2: I am my mother, 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 Oh thank you, Jesus.
3: From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, your name is to be hallowed, Adonai, from the rising of the sun, to the setting of the same, oh, your name. Setting of the same, same, setting of the the same. same. Oh, you're. Lord. Your name is to be hallowed. His name is Adonai. Adonai. Ah, ah, ah. Sing Adonai. one more time from the rising of the sun. From, from the rising of the, of the sun, sun to the setting of the same. To the, setting same the same. Your name is to be hallowed. do right.
1: Lord we bless you. We thank you tonight. We ask oh God that you speak to us tonight. We crown you as Lord in this place in Jesus mighty name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 20 verse 1 to 16. Matthew 20, verse 1 to 16, reading from the New Living Translation. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and send them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them. Telling them he will pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman or the steward, as the King James Version referred to him, to call the workers in and pay them beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to their owner. Those people worked only one hour and yet, you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Somebody say, it's not fair. <laughs> he answered one of them, friend, He didn't quarrel with the guy. You didn't quarrel with him. Sometimes, there are people by their comments, their attitude, their behavior, you know, there's a temptation to quarrel with them. But, As I mentioned to you last Sunday, you really have to control yourself and not respond to everything, every provocation. Sometimes the provocation is very sore. This guy, he deserved to be insulted. I won't lie to you. (laughs) But he said to him, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then and those who are first will be last. Hallelujah. And so last week Wednesday I started sharing with you on the parable of the vineyard workers the parable of the vineyard workers. And as we read, there's a landowner. He had a vineyard. Early in the morning, we are assuming six o'clock, he engaged some people to work for him. And he gave them a very amazing deal because what he offered to pay them was a full day's wage which is what you will pay skilled staff. That's not what you will give to unskilled staff at all. And the equivalent of that thing was how much money you would take to buy 10 asses or 10 donkeys. I'm sure that the guys were excited. They couldn't believe their ears. And they gladly and excitedly went into the man's vineyard to work. Nine o'clock, the landowner went to town Bible says he went to the marketplace and he saw some guys idling around and he invited them to work for him also and he promised that he would take good care of them. They trusted him because he looked kind. You know there are some people when you encounter them you you know you can have a good feeling about them. The way they look, the way they talk, their mannerism and everything. and know that you are dealing with a kind person. I think that the landowner had such a disposition. So, although he didn't really tell them exactly what he was going to pay them, he told them that I'll do you good, I'll do you fine. They followed him. And perhaps they also didn't have a choice because nobody had employed them. Maybe they said to themselves, you know, because you have to put food on the table. And nobody is coming to get you. 12 o'clock, 3 p.m., he did exactly the same thing and went to hire more people to work for him, promising them that he will sort them out. Then the amazing thing, that an hour to closing, five p.m. He goes again to town, sees some other guys loitering around, and amazingly, he invites them also to come work for him. The closing bell sounded, clink 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 clink. We've closed work for the day. Then he says to his steward or the foreman, line them up, but starts with those who came last. So, the last became first and the first became last, if you like. And those who came at five o'clock, he paid them one denarii. And I told you last week that I'm sure those who were following in the queue were excited. They did their calculations, did the mathematics, expecting that, oh, if this guy came to work for one hour, and that's what he's been given, I worked for eight hours or seven hours, so it must be times seven. You can imagine their shock when he calls them and puts in their hand one denarii. So everybody was paid one. One, 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 one. Then they bore. They were angry and said, What you are doing is not fair. It's not right. We have been working since morning in the scorching sun the sun has really faced us how come that you're paying us exactly what you pay to the other guy and he explained to them that it's my money and when i when i hired you did i not tell you what i was going to give you he said you told us have i given you less than what i said i'll give you he said no did we have a contract you work for me and i pay you this amount of money they said yes he said, so what I decide to do with my own money should not be your matter. should not be your palaver at all. Take your money and go. Home. And as you are going, buy ground and plantain. And get one sachet of water and drink it on top to wash it down. Don't be angry. It's my money. And I have the right to do whatever I want to do with my money. Now, Jesus gave this parable in response to two things. One of them, was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus said good master what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus mentioned the things that you find in the law that shall not murder, that shall not commit adultery that shall not steal, that shall not bear false witness and the guy confidently responded and said that oh this is not a problem at all, I've been following these things ever since I was a little boy My parents taught me well. But I still feel that there is something lacking. Jesus also explained to him that love your neighbor as yourself is one of the important laws that you must carry out. Then Jesus told him, yeah, you've done your best. But there is something that is lacking. There is something that is missing in your life. He told him something that greatly disturbed the guy. He said, go and sell everything that you have. Give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says the guy went away his heart was heavy his heart was full of sorrow because he had a lot of possessions he was a very rich guy now jesus made a statement and he said how difficult it is for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven he said it is easier for a camel to enter the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven now you always have to be careful when you read things like that and you must Try and interpret what Jesus is saying very carefully. Because it is easy based on this statement to conclude that there will be no rich person in heaven. That if you are fortunate or unfortunate to be rich in this world, know that there's no place for you in heaven. Obviously, that's what Jesus was saying. But he was explaining. Based on the the young ruler's response. He was trying to point out that often and it happens to many people when you prosper and when you become rich something happens to you. You become twisted if you don't learn to control your riches well. And you begin to think in a certain wrong way. And now instead of you having a certain control over your riches your riches now control you. And One of the problems with riches is that you may have a lot, but you're still not satisfied. Alright? You still want more. You still want more. You still want more. That's why some of the people who don't have any reason to steal are the greatest thieves in the world. And when you check, they have a lot of money. Why is there so much corruption in the nation? And when you check, you discover that these people, they have a lot already. But there's a craving to have more, more, more. So you get to a point, the money and the wealth and the riches, they begin to control you and dictate to you. And when that happens, you have made the money and the riches your idol. And that's why Jesus was stating the competitor or the competition that contains with people for their devotion and their commitment He mentioned mammon. He didn't mention the devil. He didn't say you cannot serve both God and the devil. That's not what he said. He said you cannot serve both God and mammon. And mammon represents wealth, riches, money. So by that statement, he was pointing out that often in this life and in this world, what competes a lot for people's commitment and devotion and worship competing against God is the money of the treasures and the wealth of this life. Am I saying something tonight? Yes, I am. So he made that statement. And when he said that it's very difficult for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven and all of that, Peter and the other disciples were very disturbed. So Peter said, uh, Papa, we have left everything and we've come to follow you. So what is in it for us? It's a legitimate question, because when you've made sacrifices, you're expecting to reap some rewards. Hallelujah! And Jesus calmed them down, and he promised them that they will reap a great reward. Now he didn't just end there, but then he did something else, and he mentioned that anybody. So he didn't just limit it to Peter and the other disciples. He opened it up, and there's a reason why he did that, and we'll get into that tonight. He opened it up and made it clear, I wish that somebody would just be following me because where i've got into, I have moved past the eye of a needle, all right otherwise you 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 distract me because i'm you're, you're supposed to be helping me to 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 preach, so he mentions that anyone who or everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. And will inherit what? Eternal life. Now, I mentioned to you in closing last week that this whole conversation and engagement and encounter that Jesus had with the young rich ruler and then afterwards with the disciples the main issue that was paramount or that was critical was eternal life because that's how it started the young ruler came and said what must I do to have eternal life then Jesus when he answered Peter's question, he ends by talking about eternal life. And so, if we ask ourselves that what is the central decisive point of this parable, the parable of the vineyard workers, it is this, that all sinners are unworthy and undeserving write that down all sinners are unworthy and undeserving but god has chosen but god has chosen to give all believers but god has chosen to give all believers An eternal share of his mercy, grace, and kindness. All sinners are unworthy and undeserving. But God has chosen to give all believers an eternal share of his mercy grace, and kindness. But God has chosen to give all believers an eternal share of his mercy, grace, and kindness. So the central decisive point again that you must see in this parable of the vineyard workers. Is that all sinners are unworthy and undeserving, but God has chosen to give all believers an eternal share of his mercy, grace, and kindness. So that's the central decisive point. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's move on into the lessons or the important truths that we can pick out from this parable. And remember that we've been looking at the parables of Jesus for some weeks now. I don't know when we're going to end. We may pause along the line. But I find them very intriguing. Now, one of the ways you can know God well is by trying to understand the things that Jesus taught when he walked the earth because his teachings revealed the father to us and also revealed things to do with the kingdom of heaven to us. And we've mentioned that Jesus had a style of teaching using parables, particularly during the closing stages of his ministry. And I mentioned to you last Sunday that he did so because he wanted to protect himself From the scribes, from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees and the people who hated him. Who were always looking for an opportunity to trap him through the things that he said. And he knew that he was working with a timetable. It was therefore important that nothing bad happens to him before the time is right. God has a timetable for everything that he does. And sometimes we struggle with God's timing. We feel that God is often late. So, and we feel that God is too slow. (laughs) You know? But you see, every one of us has our timing when we feel that uh, things must be done. In our own minds, we feel that things must be done by such and such a time in our lives. So it's there. Then there's also the time. The time itself. So as we speak now, the time is 7.57. That is the time. So you have your time. There is the time. But then there's also God's time. There's also God's time. And it is during God's time that he makes all things beautiful. Not your time. Not the time. But his time. Sometimes God's timing may coincide with your timing. Sometimes God's timing may coincide with the time. But there are many times and that is our difficulty when God's timing doesn't match our expectations. And that is why in serving God and in following him, there's a need to trust him and to believe that even if certain things are delayed in your life, he's in control. You don't fully understand what God is doing. You may be confused, but God is very clear on what he's doing in your life. So may I announce to somebody tonight, that God is still working on your case. I said, God is still working on your case. It may have taken longer than you anticipated. You may be asking yourself, What is going on? But you need to rest in the Lord and you need to cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Can I have an amen? So Jesus Christ knew that it was important that He didn't play into the hands of those who hated him. And it got to a point he started speaking in parables. And these parables were illustrations and word pictures that brought out deep truths. And we remember many of the parables of Jesus. And to know God well and understand kingdom principles well, there's a need to understand what these parables meant. And here we find ourselves talking about the parable of the vineyard workers. And we've said that the central decisive point is what? What did you write? All sinners are unworthy and undeserving, but God has chosen to give all believers an eternal share of his mercy, of his grace, and of his kindness. Now let's look at the lessons. Number one, the land in the parable represents God. That's the first thing. We're trying to get a deeper understanding of the parable of the vineyard worker. So the first thing I want you to grasp is that the landowner in this parable represents God. Number two, we are moving very fast. The vineyard is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That's the vineyard. And remember that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, because you can use them interchangeably, refers to that realm or that sphere where God is in control, where God rules. So that refers to the kingdom of heaven. So the vineyard in this story represents the kingdom of heaven. Number three, you would recall that when the landowner went out, To look for workers. He went to the marketplace. The marketplace. So number three. The marketplace represents the world. The marketplace represents the world. And that is where the people were hanging out. They were in the world. They were idle. They were wasting their lives away. They were just there. And that's what it is like when you are in the world and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're wasting your life. That's what it is. You are actually wasting your life. You actually only start living when you meet Jesus and when you surrender your life to him. Till that time. Every other time is wasted years. That's why he's saying. There's a so wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. So the marketplace represents the world. And it's important for us to recognize that the best thing that ever happened to us was meeting Jesus and being saved. You may think that you are actually enjoying when you are out there in the world. But sooner than later, you will Get to the place where you say that "Ah, earthly things have left me dry. And that the only one who can satisfy me is God and is Jesus. The things we crave for in this life, they leave us dry at the end of the day. Sometimes you are chasing something, chasing something, chasing something, chasing something. When you get the thing, then interest of, ah, is that it? Is that all there is to it? You think that when you have a lot of money, your life will be very great. If it were so, then the rich in this world should be the happiest. But they are not they are not sometimes you think that when I go to school I have a lot of degrees and everything I will feel fulfilled and accomplished in this life you finish and you ask yourself you're there you say I want to marry I want to marry I want to marry, I want to marry, I want to marry, I want to marry some Awalea mew, some Awalea mew, some Awalea Meu, Era Deh, the Kama Mew, Era Dequama Mew, Ita Mita Saita Kaita Baitas Ita Kaita Kaita Kata Utonan, our yenty. You get it? And then you say Ah <laughs> Is that all? There are people who have been unhappy with us pastors. They say that we didn't tell them all the truth. But marriage is a great thing. It is a blessing. Because it's God who instituted it. And everything that God instituted was good. But the problem was that the good things that God instituted were corrupted. As a result of the fall of man. So then something that should be a source of great joy and happiness to mankind in this life. Has ended up becoming a source of great pain and anguish to many people. So you may think that it's a marriage that will make all the difference in my life. You know, you think that that's what will make a major difference. And please do not get me wrong. Don't get me wrong at all. You will marry by the grace of God. And I want you to be married. Because the Bible says that two are better than one. For they have a better reward for their labor. It says that how can one keep warm alone? Need somebody around to warm him or her up. Then it says that if somebody attacks you and it's just you alone, it may be very difficult, but if you are two, you'll be able to, oh, there are a lot of blessings in it. But I'm just saying something to you. And what I want you to get from what I'm saying is, if you cannot be happy as a single person, do not think that it is the marriage that will bring you the happiness and the fulfillment that you are looking for. Which means that we must learn to be happy no matter what circumstance or situation we find ourselves in. That's why we are asked to be content with such things as we have. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have ambitions. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have goals. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have expectations. But what God is trying to get us to understand that there is a way we should rejoice always. And be able to identify all the positives in our lives. Because it is easy to focus on what you don't have. And begin to think that because I don't have this, my life is been short changed. But if you take your time and begin to now look at what you have. Then you will discover that God has actually been good to me. And He's blessed me mightily. Hallelujah. So Jesus... So, the point that I was really making, uh, I've digressed into other things, but I'm preaching under inspiration. Is it okay to preach under inspiration? I didn't plan to say these things. I have my notes here. Eh? Instead of going to my notes, I've diverted into other things. But somebody say, it is the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, I was making the point that the marketplace represents the world. Number four. The laborers or the workers are believers the children of god christians they are the laborers believers those who receive jesus or have received jesus as lord and savior they are the laborers then number 5 you recall that they worked during the day all right they worked during the day some worked from 6am some came to join him at 9 others came at 12, others came at 3, some even came at 5. Now, that day of work represents our lifetime. It represents our lifetime. And that's the reality of our lifetime. Some live long and stay around for long. Others also live for not so long. So that day of work and how it played out represents our lifetime. Now last week I, I, I heard about two funerals. In fact, I went for one on Saturday. Now, I got a message from Somebody I know that his father had died. His father was 92 years old. 92. Very great man. Then on Saturday, I went for the funeral of the sister of my roommate in secondary school, sixth form. My cubicle mate. We were just two in a cubicle. If you go to a good school, and get to six form and all of that you have nice. so you don't share with everybody at least where you sleep as for bathroom and all those other things dining hall you share with everybody but his sister died his sister was 47 years old you know the interesting thing about this young lady I mean not so young but quite young Because if you compare with a 92 year old It's like she lived half About half of his years Now this is somebody Who every day Before she goes to work She goes to the gym Every day And then every Saturday She is part of a cycling club So every Saturday, she goes cycling. Obviously, you are describing somebody who is very healthy. She went for an all night. And she was a believer. Alright? She went for an all night. So it was a Friday. She comes home and comes to sleep a bit. And from that sleep, she never woke up there was no sickness anything my ear is paining me my ear is paining me let's ratchet it there was nothing she lives with her mother mother goes to check her out and she's in a sleeping posture she tries to wake her up she doesn't so that oh she's very tired the said ah it's unusual for her she should be going she had packed her bag i think the night before her cycling bag, her bag which has the things she uses when she goes cycling and they call her big brother, who was my roommate, that something is unusual. And when he comes, checks her, said, no, this is serious. They rush her to the hospital, pronounced dead on arrival. She was just 47 years old. That's life. That is life. So for some, it's so many years, For others, it is not a lot. That's why babies die. Little children die. Teenagers die. Young adults die. Middle-aged men and women die. Then there's the old ones. And some are able to get very far. Some even clock more than 100 I don't know what you're looking for. Which one would you like? 100. Wow. 99.7. It's an FM station. (laughs) At least one thing that I know for a certainty is I would not like to grow very old and become a burden to anybody where I can't do certain things anymore for anybody to describe me as that poor old man. Every time I have to be carried from one place to the other, they have to bath me and scratch, scrub all sorts of places. It's not a life of dignity. I know like. I don't know about you. So my prayer is that God will bless us with many years, but it should be a blessed life. Full of days, full of strength, full of riches, full of honor, in the name of Jesus, that even in your old age, you should be able to chew bones bones hey, and be able to eat nice things, you see hey you know the that the funny thing, i don 't know why i 'm digressing so much, but i I think about it sometimes I ask myself that. So you see at a point in your life they place all kinds of restrictions on you. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. The sad thing about it is for many people it is when you can now afford those things that they say you can no longer eat them. That's why a little piece of advice that I'll give you is that there are times mm. Mm. and he said moderation should be the watchword. Because I tell you, a time will come to tell you. You see, I don't like where I'm standing because I'm looking at somebody's face and I, I know that she's saying something. It's trying to intimidate me. I don't mind it at all. Yes. And then for those of you who are I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving. It's good to save you. Because the opposite is also a serious problem. So we mustn't go off on both deep ends. There should be a certain balance. and The balance is that there are times when you must be able to enjoy the blessings that God has given to you. Yesterday, I was telling my elder brother that you must go on a holiday. And I told him, you must go to Dubai. That's what I told him. And he was saying that, Charlie, the bills. And I told him, you have worked all these years. The last time you traveled out of the country to London to go and do your things. Was somewhere in 1980. <laughs> yeah. And I said to him that, and God has blessed you. You can actually afford it. You can actually. I said you should take that trip. So, was happy when he said he'll go on the trip. Then, who knows? God may touch his heart that when he's going, he should carry me along to keep company. And I won't, sir. Yes, please. After all, who brought the idea? It is me. So, the day of work is their lifetime. Number six. The evening, remember that when it was evening, they ended work. So the evening represents eternity. That's when it's all over. And then now you enter into eternity. Jesus said something that I must work while it is day. For the night cometh when no one can work. And when the night comes, it means that it's all over. And you're now moved into eternity. Eternity in heaven. Or eternity in hell. So the evening is eternity. Number seven. The foreman or the steward. Who does he represent? The foreman or the steward represents our Lord Jesus Christ. To whom has been committed all judgment. Because it was a foreman who gave out moneys based on what the landowner had directed him to do so the steward or the foreman represents our lord jesus christ to whom has been committed all judgment hallelujah look at second timothy chapter four verse one second timothy chapter four verse one from the new living translation of the bible it says i solemnly urge you in the presence of god and christ jesus Who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom? He will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. This is talking about Jesus Christ. Is that not so? So, in this parable of the vineyard workers, the steward or the foreman who gave out the wages or paid the people represents our Lord Jesus Christ. Number eight the wages paid what did he pay the people one denarii, one denarii one denarii that money that he paid represents eternal life so remember that the laborers are believers and he paid everybody the same thing so what is it that he paid everybody the answer is eternal life And that's why I explained to you that what led to this parable was when somebody came to ask the question about what must I do to experience eternal life. That's how it started. So everything that ensued, that followed after that engagement with that young ruler was in connection with eternal life. So what was paid out, the wages that were paid out, Actually represents eternal life. Hallelujah. Number nine. Do you remember that in the story. It was the landowner Who went out. To look for the workers. It was not the workers who came to look for him. So what that teaches us. Which is the ninth lesson. That it is actually God who initiates salvation. It is God who initiates salvation. It is God who initiates salvation. That is what makes the difference between Christianity and every other so-called religion. Every other religion is about men trying to find God. Christianity is about God finding man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is this E fly? Yeah. There's a song I was running through with Godfrey the other day. It says,
3: Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, say that love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. God sent his son, God sent his son, when nothing else could help, God sent his son, oh, God sent his son, yeah, 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 God sent his son, when nothing else called hell God sent his son the son gave his life the son gave his life when nothing else called hell the son gave his life oh, oh, oh. The sun gave his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sun gave his life. When nothing else could help, the sun gave his life. His life set me free. His life set me free. When nothing else could help, His life set me free. His life has set me free. Oh, His life has set me free. When nothing else could help, His life. Set me free.
1: And God is the one who initiated it. When nothing else could help, his love lifted me. Then decided that these guys, they can't help themselves. I need to do something about it. So, in the parable, it was the landowner who went out looking for the people. It was not the other way around. And that tells us the story of salvation. That God is the one who initiates it. And number 10, God is sovereign in the outworking of salvation. God is sovereign in the outworking of salvation. When we say he's sovereign, it means he has supreme power, rank, and authority. You know? He's sovereign in the outworking of salvation. What are we saying? What we are saying is this. That you see that in the story, in the parable, we see him saving different people at different times and giving all of them the same wages and remember what he said to the guys who were complaining, those who came from 6am that they had been working in the scorching sun and they think that they deserve more he explained to them that it's my money I have the right to give what I want to give to everybody and what that explains to us is the sovereignty of God to save us to show us mercy and to show us kindness he says i will have mercy on whom i'll have mercy and i'll show compassion on whom i will show compassion and he decided that you came early this one came late but i decided that i want to bless all of you with the same thing and i must be allowed to do that so when you look at the outworking of salvation you see the sovereignty of god his power his supreme authority to do what he wants to do and decide that I'm blessing everybody with the same thing. And then, number 11, there are some people who come into the kingdom. No, people come into the kingdom of God at different times, some early and some late. People come into the kingdom of God at different times, some early and some late. Because in the parable, there are those who came early; they came into the vineyard early. Then there were those who came in late, and that's how it is with salvation. There are people who get very there are people who get saved very early in their youth, so that people got saved when they were ten years old, when they were, you know, eleven years old. I got saved when I was 18 years old. You know? But there are some people who get saved very early. There are some people who get saved when they are 45. Others also get saved when they are 73. When they are dying. There are some people who get saved on their deathbed. And again, it's just the grace of God that has reached out to them the last one for today early or late God gives all the same most valuable blessing eternal life whether you come in early or you come in late God gives you the same most valuable blessing which is eternal life whether you come in early whether you come in late God gives all the same most valuable blessing called eternal life. And it's a blessing from God. It's a gift from him. Which is what those who were complaining didn't understand. They thought that they deserve something. They didn't deserve anything. Because I told you that what he decided to give them was far, far, far more than anything that They could ever get. They didn't deserve it. They were not skillful laborers. It's just the grace of God. And that's what salvation is. By grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So whether you came in early. Or whether you came in late. You must recognize that I don't merit it. I don't deserve it. Which is the problem sometimes with us. There are times when people get to a certain point in their Christian experience. They begin to feel that they are something. (laughs) They begin to think that they are special. They begin to think that you know, God is going to treat them very differently from everybody else. And they begin to carry themselves with a certain pomposity with a certain air, with a certain arrogance, and they failed to realize that when we you see, there is a place for rewards for the work that you have done. That's not what we are talking about. Yet. That's why I've explained to you that it is about eternal life. Now, these guys felt that because they came in earlier, they deserve more, and are some people who feel that because I got saved very early, there are certain things that I should be seeing or maybe when I get to heaven, something, something, something. What it is, it's the same eternal life that is given to everybody. Whether you came early, whether you came later, as for that thing and you may say okay, so there are crowns, yes. There are crowns and rewards. But what do they do with crowns and rewards in heaven? Look at Revelation 4, 11. I end with that. I hope I got the right scripture. Revelation. Go to verse 10. That's it. Go to verse 9. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, verse ten. The twenty-four elders, they fall down, worship and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And what did they do with their crowns? They lay their crowns before the throne. <laughs> they just threw them down. That this is the most important is the person who is sitting on the throne. So it continues, verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. In other words, what is most important there is worshiping the one who sits on the throne. So you have crowns, but the only thing you want to do with the crowns is to lay them down. That's all. So the most important thing that we have is the eternal life and that one whether you came early, whether you came later God has graciously made it available for everybody and you don't have any right to be bored there are some people who are bored when some people are saved yeah because like after all the bad that they have done then they get saved But when you think that way, you think that you deserve to be saved. Because there are some things that you have not done before. And that is where the deception is. Which is that, for there is none righteous. No, not one. It says, if you are guilty in one, you are guilty in all. That is the reason why Jesus taught, as part of his sermon, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. He will say that you've heard them say that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I'm saying that no. Forgive. Forgive. Say that you've heard them say that thou shall not commit adultery he said yes but I tell you if you look at the woman and you last after the woman you have already committed it the reason why he explained those things is to let us understand that there is nothing that we can do that will merit our place in heaven it is just God who has decided to show his grace and the only person who can qualify us for heaven is the one who shed his precious pure blood That's the only thing that could take our sins away. After that he says anybody who accepts him and believes in the sacrifice that he's made you receive that free gift of salvation or eternal life. So it is not by works for anybody to boast. That's why you shouldn't complain about anybody. You should just be happy that you have your share. Yeah, you got saved very early. Thank God thank God that you got saved early don't be bored if somebody got saved later and the person you know is being blessed there sometimes people are very bored with God I've been serving you for a very long time I can't see this in my life I can't have this in my life it goes on and on and on and on when you start talking that way you, you, you are thinking that you deserve something you don't you, you don't deserve anything I'm telling you, we don't deserve anything that God gives to us. We don't deserve anything. It's just that He's a gracious God, He's a kind God, He's a merciful God. That's why you must never become proud or see yourself in a certain way, because of something you have. That's why I say, "For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what do you have that you have not received?" And if you have received it, why does thou glory as if thou didst not receive it? It says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. it descends from the Father. If there is anything in your life that is good, your response must be it's by the grace of God. And tell yourself, enyema unyame nawaye It's not my strength. It's not my goodness. It's not my niceness. It's just a gift from God. That's what it is. That's what it is. So the essence of this parable was to teach us that God has decided to deal graciously and kindly with us and that our salvation and everything is undeserved What is the cardinal, the the, the central cardinal point again? Say that again. All sinners are unworthy and undeserving. All sinners are unworthy and undeserving. All the people who were employed to work, they were undeserving. All of them were out in the world and he went to call them. But God has chosen to give all believers an eternal share of his mercy, grace, and kindness. And that's what he did. That's what the landowner did. He gave everybody and took what share. Ten denarii, one denarii, one denarii, one denarii. gave everybody, whether he came early, whether he came late. That gift was given to all. And that is the eternal life that we are enjoying. God bless you. Rise to your feet and let us close. Our time is fast. Pray. We are grateful to you, Father, for today. And thank you for how much you've loved us. And thank you for this gift of salvation and the eternal light that you promised us. Not by works, not because we are worthy. Not because we are deserving, but just because you decided to deal graciously with us. And to each and every one of us, you set out to show us your love, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. Father, deliver us from ever getting to a point where we begin to esteem ourselves very highly forgive us when we begin to look down on others and feel that we deserve something and they they don't deserve it. Forgive us for how we've treated other people. The scorn, the disdain with which we have related with other people. Maybe because of their challenges and because of their issues. And we begin to feel that we don't have this issue, we don't have that problem. Like the Pharisee who went into the temple was praying, Thank you that I'm not like this publican. But the publican could not lift his head. He just prayed, Lord, have mercy on me. And he it was who left the temple justified. May we remember these things and may we always be little in our own sight and give all the glory to you for everything that you've done in our lives. May we appreciate this gift of salvation and of eternal life in Jesus mighty name. Let everybody say amen.